With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to The College Loop, your number one podcast for Auburn sports. Talking all things orange and blue every Tuesday, Thursday, and Sunday. Hey, you know what to do when you're grown, you know what's right. 19, 16, I, don't, I never know exactly what those mean, but we're somewhere in that ballpark. It's 1 o'clock in the afternoon in Auburn, Alabama, and this place was lit. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the College Loop Podcast, episode 70 of the College Loop Podcast. I'm Dylan Lark, at you the tank on Twitter. It's just me today. Everyone else has been pretty busy with work, so I was the only one available. So without further ado, let's get right into it. Talking about football and the SEC has announced that the 2024 schedule is going to be a little bit different than normal. Uh, For starters, there's going to be no divisions, Uh, no East or West, no pods, no nothing. When Texas and Oklahoma join the SEC, is going to be no holds barred. First two teams in the conference are going to the SEC championship, and I guess if you look back at it, 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 it. Last year, I think it would have been it would have been Tennessee, Georgia, who would have been playing in the SEC championship instead of LSU, Georgia, or it, there's there's a chance that like West former West teams could not even be in the championship. Let alone it could also be two West teams that are in the championship. Uh, and a couple other rules that have been established is, uh, they're going to keep the eight games schedule. Uh, they, there was talks for a nine game SEC conference schedule, but they're going to keep it at eight. And there's been a few things I've seen everywhere where, and they're going to basically force SEC teams to play at least one of the power five, uh, teams. Uh, and and I'm going to read it right off the SEC page. In the one-year schedule, SEC teams will play eight conference games plus one required opponent from the ACC, Big Ten, Big 12, Pac-12, or major independent during the 2024 season when the University of Oklahoma and the University of Texas join the league. And it also says, in addition, the SEC will eliminate divisional standings beginning in 2024. The SEC championship will feature the top two teams and the conference standings at the end of the regular season. The single standings format will allow every school to play every other school in a minimum of two times in a four-year period, regardless of whether the SEC utilizes an eight-game or nine-game format for future conference competition. Now, we don't know what this means for the Deep South Oldest rivalry, the Iron Bowl, uh, trying to pick up rivalries that I, I know y'all have been talking about in the comments section, talking about Auburn, Florida, Auburn, Tennessee, uh, well, I guess I pretty much just put that on the platter that it, Auburn and Florida, Auburn, Tennessee is going to be happening a little bit more regularly than it does, and it's going to be every 40 years. But with the big ones, I don't know how that's going to affect that. Uh, I've heard people say that it could be uh, three permanent opponents, 
which for Auburn, uh, it's not the best draw because it probably would be Alabama, LSU, and, of course, Georgia as the three permanent opponents for the Auburn Tigers. But uh, as I move my mic, so, yeah, there we go. Uh, Yeah, I'm not – it's not something completely major. I mean, we're pretty much staying on the same, like, schedule – Ing process, uh, it's just gonna be you have to have a power five opponent, uh, and Auburn's a stranger to that the last two seasons, or including this season as well. Uh, and I believe next season is Cal is uh, at, at, at home. Uh, it, it's been happening for a while, and I guess this is the SEC trying to say that we're not scared. I, I know that there's been a lot of Conferences out there, uh, mainly, I believe the Big Ten has been one of the big ones about it. Talking about the SEC being scared of Power Five, uh, FBS teams, something along those lines. Because SEC does have a tendency to have like cupcake games. Uh, more in November is more of where where they hate that is when it's in November. Even though I I think last year Michigan got to the playoffs with one of the weakest schedules in in the country. Uh yeah, I'm not uh I, I'm not worried about how odd of a change it'd be because overall, I mean, no one really check the 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 West or East standings don't really matter until like November anyways. Uh, and I think this pretty much levels the playing field. Uh, the Big Ten has already been uh, has already done it with when USC and uh. Uh, UCLA, possibly Oregon and Washington too, if from those rumors. Uh, yeah, it, it just it makes it easier. Uh, you don't have to worry about going to a pod system where you have to add three teams to your pod and then you have a permanent opponent. Uh, it makes it easier, and and with that you can also just have the you know, like it says the same. You can play every other school a minimum of two times in a four year period. So if you're a huge fan of the Auburn-Florida robbery, you can get that. Uh, Auburn-Tennessee, same thing. But again, I, I just don't know what exactly it means for the long-term effects of the rivalries that Auburn fans tend to care about a little bit more, i.e. I- I- the Iron Bowl. I'm sure that's going to be a permanent game every year. Uh, Auburn-Georgia is probably the one that's probably going to be on the verge or the cusp of kind of being not swept under the rug, but more likely to not be annually. And, and, and I, th- I think this is, I'm going to keep reading this as well. During this time of change, our fans will continue to enjoy traditional rivalries and begin to see new matchups presented by the addition of two historically successful full programs in the SEC. And that was per Greg Sankey. So possibly they are going to, go forward with the deep south Orders rivalry i i I know we talked about it last uh episode talking about how the possibility of them dropping that game would affect the team and uh, affect the fan base i can understand where people coming from where it's like well listen uh auburn's definitely auburn has fallen behind georgia as of late but again that rivalry is so streaky uh, there have been streaks where Auburn ran ran that rivalry. There have been streaks where Georgia ran that rivalry. We just happen to be in one of those streaks right now. I would love to 
go more in depth on it. I just don't know a complete, uh, like, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, the complete story behind it. Uh, I just know that uh, there's just going to be no division standings in 2024 and a game conference schedule with the fact you have two schedule one P five or major independent team, uh, which I guess would be along the lines of, Notre Dame. I think Notre Dame is probably the only uh, major independent team left in 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 the world, really. Because uh, I, I believe BYU BYU is now joining the Big Twelve. I don't know who else that leaves. Uh, so that's basically ACC, Big Ten, Big Twelve, Pac twelve, or Notre Dame during the twenty twenty four season. Uh, but yeah, this is just the changes you're going through while adding two teams like Oklahoma and Texas. Now, to continue my football conversation, I'm going to rank, uh, just to make some time here, uh, my top five most impactful freshmen coming into the 2023 season. And this doesn't mean I'm like, who's going to start at any given position. Some of these guys I think could start. It's more of guys who I think if they were to, they can come in and play meaningful snaps for the Auburn Tigers. And starting at number five, I have Darren Reed. Uh, defensive lineman, uh, four-star, 21st position for Columbus, Georgia. Uh, he's probably he, – it, it was really hard to get this list started at five because uh, the top four are all, like, set in stone, definitely going to make a difference on this team. But Darren Reed has uh, <laughs> has a lot of potential as well. Coming in from Columbus, Georgia, definitely flipped him from LSU as well. And for a good reason. Uh, he's big. He's strong. He's agile. He's quick. Uh, he, he's a player that Auburn's definitely going to need in the future, uh, especially if at uh, six foot four, two seventy. I mean, you can either make him an edge rusher with that, or you can make him a linebacker uh, as well. And God knows Auburn needs help with that linebacker core. Uh, my number four. I'm going to go start off with Keldrick Falk. And had this list been made, and I'm pretty sure we have done this list before. A few months ago, like January, February, Kendrick Falk would have been one or two on this on this list. Now, I, I don't want to say he's fallen behind a little bit, but he's definitely he's definitely with the with the inclusion of more edge rushers from the transfer portal. I would say he's been pushed back a little bit, but I still see a world where he's going to be on the field. And I mean, Rivals has him as a five star. Twenty four seven has him as a high four star the number 10th overall uh, player in his position. Coach Fox is really good. He is really good. He's raw talent. The coaches are going to love him a year from now when he is going probably going to be the starter. But right now, he just needs a little bit more time. And uh, that just happens with players his age. Uh, but I think when he comes in, I think he's going to show that he is that dude. And he's definitely going to play those meaningful snaps for the Tigers in 2023. At my number three, I have Jeremiah Cobb. And this has to go along the same lines as uh, uh, I'm not going to go too far in deep on this because I don't really, I don't know all the info. I don't know all the facts. But as it stands, I do believe Darkwest Hunter is still suspended. And we don't know when that's not going to be a thing uh, anymore. Uh, but yeah, Jeremiah Cobb, definitely talented running back, fast, speedy, agile. Uh, he, he's going to be a guy who Auburn can definitely not keep off the field. Whether that be for kick returns, whether that be just for different different formations, 
I think he's probably, besides Brian Batiste, probably one of your fastest running backs on the field uh, or on the team at any given time. And uh, that's probably an argument for him to be the fastest guy at the running back position. Uh, you can't keep him off the field. Uh, he is too daggum talented from all the highlights we've seen, from all of what we've heard. He's finally on campus. He wasn't on during the spring. Uh, but I definitely think that Jeremiah Cobb is going to definitely be a – he's definitely going to get a couple of carries uh, this season, definitely. And I feel like he's definitely going to have over 100 or so rushing yards in his in his time on the field. Now to move into my number two, I have Connor Lou. And if, you, if you've heard me talk about Connor Lou before, you know he's probably my favorite recruit from this recruiting class. Uh, Connor Lou was getting starting reps at, at one point. He was – he he was that dude. I, I, I always say that he is that dude. Connor Lou was a dog at the offensive, offensive line, and he was a lowly rated four star. And that's not anything against him. That is against the people rating him. Because if they would have had center as a specific position, he would have been a five star most definitely. Uh, but it's just really hard to get get ratings for those those positions. But Connor Lou, yeah, a thirty third in his position from Aqua, Georgia, four star. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, he can play anywhere. Uh, he he's been playing at guard and he's been playing at center, which is his position by trade at center. He's going to be the starter next year when Avery Jones graduates and goes to the NFL draft. Uh, I, I think graduates probably just go to the NFL draft. He's probably already graduated from from ECU. But Connor Lou, I know I say he's starting next year, but he could definitely get in. And I've watched him play. He does not look like a true freshman on the field. He does not. And <clears throat> me talking about him like this does not. Uh, you're probably gonna be confused by I have him at two because he's definitely going to be one of the better freshmen from this class. Uh, and number one, I have Kyan Lee, and Tar is gonna love me putting Kyan Lee number one. Strictly because Kyan Lee has definitely been one of those guys who have been playing in the starting role, has been playing in the starting nickel. Kyan Lee is really good. And again, he's a, another flip. Uh, flipped him from Ohio State, four-star, number 16 overall, his position from Ellenwood, Georgia. Kyan Lee has stepped in uh, in the spring and has done nothing but impress everyone from the analysts to the fans to the coaches to the players, everyone has been impressed with how kindly has quickly stepped onto the practice field and has understood everything that he has been coached up to him. He's going to be a stud. He's going to be a star. And you just got to, and the bad thing is he's a true freshman. And I don't know if he's going to get the most snaps. I think it's definitely going to be, well, I know it for sure. It's definitely going to be DJ James, Nemai Pritchett, Keontae Scott, so on and so forth. But Kyan Lee is definitely going to pressure a lot of the, a lot of guys for for plays, for minutes, for all, for all that. Do you want to make a podcast? Well, Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily and distribute it everywhere, and even earn money as well, all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and literally everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. 
with Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it is totally free with no catch. Ever since I discovered Spotify for Podcasters, it's been so easy to get the show out to y'all, and I highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to spotify.com slash podcasters to get started. And yeah, with that, I'm going to move on. There's not been a lot of basketball news uh, around ever since the uh, withdrawal period has ended after Jay Will and Dylan Gardwell and Janai Broom are all returning and Auburn lost a few guys to the portal, either to the draft or back to their original schools. We're still waiting for maybe a couple guys to be picked up, maybe, uh, or something along those lines, because I think Auburn still has one or has, I think it's two uh, scholarship spots left. So, still wondering how that's going to pan out. But just to move straight into baseball, just because that's going to be a more depressing topic, Auburn hosted a regional this past weekend, uh, and we're as quickly as it happened, we're very quickly taken out of it. Uh, yeah, Auburn got swept in their own regional, uh, which left a lot of people to poke fun at the fact that maybe Auburn didn't deserve it. With how hot Auburn was playing, I, they definitely earned that region spot, and I, people were saying we're it's biased because Auburn's uh ad is on the chair that makes sense because it's I, i'm pretty sure if it's not i could be wrong i could be wrong about how it is but i i think more than one person has that decision so just to look through the games uh on friday auburn played u pin where they lost in 11 innings six to three in a game where auburn just could not hit the daggum ball Auburn had four hits on three runs, while Penn had 11 hits on six runs. And I, I think this weekend, if anything, showed the the weakness of Auburn's baseball team, uh, which is the the pitchers, the pitching, uh, everyone who could go, possibly go on the mound. Uh, and it doesn't help the fact that uh, I'm going to talk about it in a little bit when I get the Southern Miss game. Uh, but Will Cannon, he came in to close the game out, and he definitely should have been taken off. Uh, there, there's, there was a game earlier this season where I'm blanking to remember what it was, where basically the same thing that happened against Penn happened to Auburn, or, or has happened before, where you put in Will Cannon to close out the game, and it's not particularly his fault. He is a, He's a closer. He was in for too long. And it kind of everything kind of broke down. Uh, Penn scored three runs in the eleventh. Auburn uh, just so cold on on the bats. And I, I think Auburn with the three runs. Uh, I'm pretty sure that two of those were from getting walked. Yeah. And the sixth inning, uh, Coop McMurray got walked with the bases loaded, and Bryson Ware scored, and then uh, Birdie Moss got walked in the eighth inning uh, where Josh Hall was able to score. Auburn just could not hit the ball this weekend whatsoever, and I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and talk about the Southern Miss game for a little bit. Tommy Vale's worst game he's had in a hot minute this season. Uh, he gave up five runs, and they probably kept him in a little too long just because he's your best guy. So you trying to trust that a little bit, but good Lord, it was just not a good game from Tommy Vale. 
And again, just looking at the bats, Auburn got nine hits, which was improvement. Also left 11 runners on base. It just wasn't Auburn's weekend. And uh, Auburn still hosted a regional back-to-back week, uh, back-to-back years for Auburn did host a regional and made it to the NCAA tournament when they weren't really supposed to. And I would, with that, I mean, I, I, I would, I, people are kind of saying that the season's a failure. The season's this, the season's that. I, I don't understand that. If there's one thing that this season is, it is not a failure. Uh, this is a team that we were fully expecting to not perform well. We were not expecting Auburn to even go back in the regional, like, hosting world this season. Because we, we uh, and if you remember past episodes a couple months ago, I was ready, Tara was ready to throw in the towel uh, uh, for this season. And it, this team just came together. Uh, and we we don't know what happened. We don't know what was said to the team by Bush Thompson. But because, again, say it to me. Because, good Lord, uh, this team that should not have been there was there. And uh, they were in their own stadium playing. And the thing about baseball, it's very hot or cold. The hottest teams tend to do the best. And Auburn got hot. And I was at the right at at the moment. I would say it was the right time, but Auburn started to cool off a little bit, and I think the SC tournament probably did it in for them uh, in terms of how cold they got uh, later on. But it was a great season overall. You're going into next season with Chris Danfield and Mike Irish going into their second year on the Plains, uh, and they have been outstanding. I, you're returning a lot. You're losing Bryson Ware, which, which or I, I, I'm pretty sure you're going to be losing Bryson Ware. You're losing Casey Howell. That sucks. But this team is coached by Butch Thompson. And uh, what we've learned from this season is never count on a Butch Thompson team. And yeah, the season ended on a rough patch. But I don't think anyone can look at how the season started, how the season went, and watch how it ended and say that this season is a failure of a season. That is that is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard, because this season is far from that. I'm reiterating it. I was ready for Auburn just to throw it, throw in the towel, just throw it in the towel. And one thing about next season, Joseph Gonzalez should be pretty daggum healthy uh, after after this season, unless of course he has the MLB draft, uh, which we could see a couple guys go, uh, and rightfully so. Uh, and yeah, uh, and I'm just gonna I'm just gonna keep putting my pushing that point. If you think that this baseball season is a failure, I want you to go back through the schedule and see where Auburn was before the Mississippi State re, uh, series. I just want you to go see where they were because they were not first, they were not fifth in the SEC, they were not top ten in the SEC. Auburn and Butch Thompson turned the entire baseball program around, finished fifth in the SEC, hosted a regional, and they just were cold. And that's all it happened. But yeah, I'm Dylan Lark at your boy the tank on Twitter. If you want to follow us on social media, you got us on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook. But again, no MySpace. Give us to a thousand subs. We're beginning of MySpace. 
And of course, follow us on TikTok as well, or follow follow us here as well. Like, comment, and subscribe on the YouTube because if you do, and about I believe thirty subs, I think I'm gonna go look at that as I'm recording it. Yeah, thirty subs exactly. Daniel has to embarrass himself on TikTok up next. So yeah, and if you, of course, you want to listen to the podcast, you have some Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Amazon Music. And with all that being said. It's been the College Loop Podcast.